And if you would turn with me to Psalm 66 this evening, the 66th Psalm. This uh, week, in our week of increase, we've been on this scripture and on this thought. And let's look at it again. Psalm 66. We've heard exciting things. We've heard sobering things. And they all go together. But in Psalm 66, he said, verse 8, Oh, bless our God, you people. Make the voice of his praise to be heard. How many glad uh, this is being heard more than just in Branson tonight? Which holds our soul in life. He doesn't hold us in death. He holds us in life. The Hebrew literally says, the margin of my Bible says, puts. He puts our soul in life and suffers not our feet to be moved. For you, O God, have proved us. You've tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction upon our loins. Now, if you look at the whole story, you realize uh, that they disobeyed him. They left him. Doubted him. And when you do that, you go through some rough places. Verse 12 said, you caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. But, how many know even if you mess up, the Lord's merciful. He's very gracious. Even if you blow it big, if you'll come back and repent, ask him to have mercy on you and help you. What will he do? He'll bring you out. I said he'll bring you out. He said we went through fire and water, but you brought us out into a wealthy place. So we're excited this week about our wealthy place. We believe we have one. Lord wouldn't have told us this if we didn't have one. We have a wealthy place. We know that the broke place is not the will of God for us. Right? We know that to barely get along, eke out a subsistence, you know, half a nostril above water type thing is not the will of God. We know that being in worse shape this year than last year is not the will of God. Decreasing, even staying the same five, ten years in a row, that's not the perfect will of God. He's the God of increase. And he has for us our wealthy place, a place for us that we're destined for it and it's ordained for us. And in this place, we prosper. In this place, we bear much fruit and fruit that remains a wealthy place in spirit and in soul and in body and in all of life. Said out loud, thank God for my wealthy place. Now, another translation says it like this. It says, we went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Another one said, we went through fire and water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. The living says, we went through fire and flood, but in the end, you brought us into wealth and great abundance. Is God's will for you wealth? I'm not talking about somebody else now. I'm talking about you. You. Wealth. 
Now the reason I say it and the reason I keep repeating it is because so many people don't believe it. They don't. They'll nod and agree with the theory. But in the end, they are not expecting if the Lord tears his coming in the next six months and year and time to come. They're not expecting people to look at them and whisper behind their back. Who is that? that so, are they rich? And another person goes, very rich. They're rich. Wealthy? Yeah, they're wealthy. Talking about you. Huh? Not me, not somebody else. You. You. Does God have a wealthy place for you? Hmm? Well, who's more qualified to use great wealth than the people of God? Huh? Who should have it? You know, if the Lord puts a bunch of money in your hands tomorrow, do you know what to do with it? Hmm? You're not going to go start a drug ring, are you? Huh? You're not going to go start a chop shop, are you? You're not going to go start another pornographic magazine, are you? Well, what would you do with it? Huh? Come on now. What would you do with it? Lord, put $10 million in your hand. By the end of the year, what would you do? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, I heard the building got paid off right there. So, and the plane. Glory to God. Well, <laughs> that's why the devil does not want. He does not want money in your hands because he knows you'll do things like that. So he'll do anything he can do to keep you in unbelief, to keep you putting everything off into the far distant future. And it's never a reality. It's sad. So many folk, they come and shout about it, but it's not real. They shout about it and they agree with it in theory. Oh, yeah, I believe in prosperity. I believe in prosperity. you got to go beyond that. The Bible said the devils believe in God. Right? But that's not enough. You know, there's people in this uh, town and all over the world, they believe God is real. And they're lost. They believe Jesus is real. And they're lost. They believe he died on the cross. They believe he's raised from the dead. And they're still lost. They can believe all that and be lost. Yeah, they've never received him as their Lord and Savior. It's not personal. It's not real to them personally. It's just, you know, they believe it out there. No, how many understand just like you believe he's your Savior, you must also receive him. Not just believe that he is a healer. He's my healer. He's my healer. He heals me. He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases, every problem that I would have, right? He's my healer. And you got to go on beyond just believing God can prosper you. God, he's a God of prosperity. Prosperity is the will of God. That's great, but you got to go further. How far, how much beyond that must you go? What? He's my provider. He prospers me. He makes me rich. Hmm? A lot of folk choke on just saying that one phrase. He makes me rich. They've had so much uh, unscriptural tradition taught to them until they get hung up. They get to start to say the word <laughs> rich. And all their life they've always talked about somebody else when they use that word. Rich. Rich. we got to get our mind renewed. You don't go and look at an expensive car and go, whoo. 
That's for rich folks, I guess. Well, that's over there's where the rich folks live. We don't go look at those houses. Well, that's, I'm not rich. And people tell their kids, we're not rich, son. We're not rich, daughter. You know, you think money grows on trees. You got to realize that mama's not rich. Daddy's not rich. See, Christians talk like this. They, in church, they say amen, praise the Lord. But they go home and they talk like that. Because that's what they believe. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaketh. Speaketh, it comes out. Right? But no, said out loud, God's will for me is to have ability, resources, to be a channel he can use. God has for me my wealthy place. My wealthy place. Wealthy place. And you, I don't care where you're sitting tonight and how broke you might be in the natural or how far behind it might seem to be. Do not let that move you. God can use anybody that will believe in him and trust him. The Bible said he takes people from the dunghill and he sets them with princes. That's quite a trip. But he can cause it to happen, right? He can cause it to happen for believers. All things are possible to him or her that believes. Now, we talked uh, on uh, the first night about this wealthy place being a God-ordained place. And we talked about people being out of their place. And there's a lot of folks that are out of their place. And you can't expect to fully prosper when you're out of your place. Like we said before, if you're out of your place, you're out of your grace. And if you're out of your grace... You fall on your face. That is, you won't be successful, right? Only in the God-ordained place for you will you fully prosper and fully be successful. We also talked about that this wealthy place is a God-joined place. That in the body of Christ, there's one body but many members, the scripture said. And there's one head, but many members under the head, and we're joined to different body parts. And that so much of the supply of the Spirit comes to us, not directly from the head to us, it comes through other body parts to us. How many can look back over your life and see so much that God has put into you, but it came through other body parts to you? Well, the enemy knows this. That's why Ephesians talks about that when we're joined together and every part's operating as it should and the supply that comes through every joint, that the body grows up and is edified and built up in love. And we talked about like the athlete's body. When all the parts work together, amazing feats can be accomplished. And the devil knows that he doesn't want the body of Christ in its full capacity of operation in the earth because that just means his works are devastated right and left, yokes are destroyed and burdens removed. So he works overtime in the areas of strife and division and just, I mean, from the small degree of it to the biggest degree of it, just people being a little miffed. Just a little miffed all the way to people just writing somebody off and say, I never want to see you again. I never want to speak to you again. As far as I'm concerned, you don't even exist. And everything in between is all a ploy of the enemy to cause us to be cut off 
from the supply of the Spirit that's supposed to come from the head through that body part into our lives. And from the head through us into their lives. There's supposed to be this reciprocity. We're supposed to be. How many understand we, we're not an island unto ourselves. We don't live unto ourselves and die unto ourselves. None of us have it all. So you run across this attitude so many times. People think, well, just me and Jesus. That's all. I don't care. All these folk can just do whatever they want to. Just me and Jesus. Just me and Jesus. That's enough. That's all it takes. Well, that's not how he's ordained it. And you can close up and pray and fast just you and Jesus. But there will be all kind of things that you will never get just direct from him. Because he's ordained that so many of these things come from him through other body parts to you. So that we have the same love and care for each other. He not only wants us to appreciate him. He wants us to appreciate each other. And value each other. Because friend, we're going to be together for a long, long time. Right? You think, well, I, I don't want to be around them tough. Better get over it because we are joined together from now on for eternity. Right? And Jesus has already prayed it and it must come to pass. He said, Father, I pray that they may be one even as we are one. It don't look like it. It doesn't feel like it. But how many believe Jesus prayed it? It's got to come to pass. It has to come to pass. And it's coming to pass. And the day is coming soon that everybody, I don't care what label you've had on you, Baptist, Pentecost, Catholic, Methodist, Lutheran, Word of Faith, Wild man, lazy man, I don't know what it is. If you're really born again, you're in the body. And we're all coming to this oneness that he's called us to. Now this oneness is not accomplished by me adapting to you. And by you adapting to me. It comes by you becoming more like him. And me becoming more like him. And what happens if you and I are becoming more like him? We're getting closer together. Is that right? That's how it operates. That's how it works. Thanks be unto God. You know, that's how it works in marriage, too. I said, that's how it works in marriage. Marriage trouble is flesh trouble. (laughs) Huh? I'm sure y'all want to get into this some more, don't you? (laughs) Everybody wants to find out about these things. Sometimes they don't, but they should. Because, uh, you know, so many times folks are, they're pretending. I mean, they just are so miserable at home and they put on their smiley face and come to church and they can maintain a front for a few minutes and then they go home and they're miserable. But you know, if you're miserable at home all the time, that's so sad because that's where you live. And you, it's hard to get away from where you live. And that's why some folks don't want to come home. <laughs> Hear how quiet it's getting. People like the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 7, says, such shall have trouble because of the flesh. The more flesh, the more trouble. But you know, Phyllis and I have been married a few years now. And boy, in the beginning years, we had a lot of flesh. And we had a lot of trouble. Whew. Man, I'm glad them days are gone. But oh, for the last number of years now. We just go, and I wouldn't stand up here and lie to you now, but we go week after week and month after month and not, no cross words, no arguments. Amen. I've had the other. This is better. I said, this is better. 
You know, she's endeavoring to serve the Lord with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm endeavoring to serve the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are agreed. Did you hear me? We're walking together. And it's not all this, well, what do you want out of me? What do you expect out of me? No, we're both looking to the Lord for what He expects out of us. And if the Lord is pleased with you, your spouse is going to be pleased with you. Did you hear me? If they're sold out to God too, then, you know, you're coming the same way. You're Both of you getting closer to Him and more like Him. That brings you closer together. Unity. Thanks be unto God. And this is not separate from your wealthy place because, you know, if you got one person trying to do the will of God and the other person don't care, well, then that's a pulling and a drag and a weight against getting into your wealthy place. Last night we talked about, anybody remember what we talked about? <laughs> we talked about things that keep people out of their place. And uh, one of the big things we talked about was rebellion. And we went into some detail about how that, you know, it's kind of frustrating to me. I believe it irritates the Lord that so many Christians act like they can't find the will of God. So many Christians are talking about, like, well, I'm, I'm prayed and I've fasted and, and I've searched and, and I wish I knew what to do and I wish I knew what my place was, but I just can't seem to find it. That is deception and that is not honesty and that is not right. Because God loves us. He's not hiding his will from us. He's not making it hard for us to find. What's the real issue that we talked about last night? Hosea 4, 6 said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That wasn't the end of it. Because they have rejected knowledge. And again and again, a lot of times people don't want to admit it. They don't want to talk about it. But the real issue is why they're so confused, why they've been out of place for years, is because they rebelled against what the Lord told them to do. They've resisted. You know, they saw it. I've heard people, I don't know at the times. They come to me and say, Lord, Brother Keith, the Lord told me to do this. He told me to, to sell out and go to Bible school. He told me to sell out and go over here and start a work. He's told me, you know, and they were crying and they were shaking. You could tell they had an experience with God. And none of this, what do you think, Brother Keith? They said, no, I know, I know. The Lord told me. And then six months later, you hear they're not doing it. Well, I don't know, you know, this has come up and we got this going on and and the other and we're just not sure. Friend, that's how you miss the will of God. That's how you get off course and that's how that you do not get to your wealthy place. And that's the real reason why we've got so many people out of their place. It's not ignorance. They want you to believe it's ignorance, but it's not ignorance. It's rebellion. It's disobedience. What did Isaiah say? If you be willing and obedient, you may wander around for 25 years because the will of God is hard to find. Huh? If you be willing and obedient, you will, you shall. How many believe when the Bible says you will, you shall? What does that mean? It's going to happen. It's go- what if it's not happening? See part A. Right? <laughs> right? What does part A say? If. How many understand that little two-letter word? I, if. That covers a lot of ground. What does it mean? If you do, it does. If you don't, it don't. Right? Yeah. 
What if you haven't been prospering? What if you haven't been eating the good of the land? What if you've been scraping the bottom of the barrel? Hmm? See part A. Right? Have you been willing? Have you been obedient? You know, Brother Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father in the faith, he said when he, uh, in the earlier days of his ministry that the Lord had led him to leave uh, the church, his pastor, and to go out on the road. And he said in those first several months, man, they struggled. And he just got further behind and further behind. And in one particular place, he was waiting on the Lord and spending extra time praying and fasting. He said, Lord. And he, was, he had this scripture in Isaiah 1, bringing it to the Lord. He said, Lord, you said if I'd be willing and obedient, I'd eat the good of the land. And I did what you told me to. I left the church I was pastoring. I'm out here on the road. But I'm not eating the good of the land. I'm behind. I'm further behind now than I was months ago. My children are not adequately clothed and fed. I don't have what I need for the ministry. This is not happening. And he said, for some time, you know, two or three days, just waiting on the Lord and, and fasting and praying and saying, Lord, you know, you said, but I'm not. You said, he said, finally, he got quiet. And at the end of that time, the Lord spoke to him and said, well, the problem is you don't qualify. Well, he didn't expect that. Lord, what do you mean? I don't qualify. I left that church you taught. I was pastoring. We were in better shape than we'd ever been in. They provided our food, so much of our food for us and, and the housing, the parsonage. And now I'm just getting behind every, you know, every month. I did do what? He said, you did it, but you're not willing. How many understand that can disqualify you? See, he was doing it, but he's thinking, man, if I would have been back there in my church, I wouldn't be like this. I see we need to camp on that some more. (laughs) Go hold your place here and go to Ecclesiastes. Hmm? Well now if I had stayed there, I wouldn't be like this. I wouldn't be dealing with this. Well now, did the Lord tell you or not? Did he lead you or not? See, I know I used to teach at Ramah. And sometime during orientation, we'd tell the students when it came my time to say something, I'd say, well, how many of you, the Lord led you to come here? You know he did. Well, this is the very beginning of school. Man, they're pumped. Yeah, yes. (laughs) So I'd say again, how many of you, you know, you are sure God told you to be here? Yeah, I mean roaring. They're pumped. And I'd say it again. How many of you believe the Lord directed you to be here? Yeah. And after a while, they're looking at you like, I already told you. Yeah. (laughs) And you ask them again and ask them again. They look at you like, I told you. We already told you. Yeah. I said, it's not me that needs to be convinced. (laughs) The reason I ask you so many times is because in a few weeks, in a few months, the new wears off. Right? You're sitting in your little dumpy apartment and there's no fast organ music. <laughs> and your transmission is broke. And you don't know where your money for your next tuition payment's coming from. Huh? Right. Fighting off symptoms of some cold or flu or something. The enemy's gonna come. You know what he's gonna say? Hmm? You missed it. You're not supposed to be here. You missed it. And if you can't stand up on the inside and say, no, I did not. God told me to be here. And I mean, if you can't do that, then you've got no ground for faith. You've got nothing to stand on. 
Brother Bothworth used to say, author of Christ the Healer, he said, faith begins where the will of God is known. And so that's why the enemy is always working on folks to get them questioning the will of God. Because if you're questioning the will of God, you cannot have faith. Impossible. Right? How are you going to believe for something you're not even sure it's the will of God? How could you keep from wavering in that situation? Well, you can't. Maybe it is. Maybe, well, yeah, let's stand. I believe it is today. And tomorrow, I'm not sure. Look at all this. How could this be the will of God? See, people are led by circumstances, aren't they? They're led externally. They're always looking out here. They'll step out a little bit, and then if something doesn't go right, they go, well, that must mean it's not the will of God. Don't be led by circumstances. Don't be led by external things. Be led from the inside. Be led by the witness of the Spirit. And the Lord doesn't change. He's the Lord God. He changes not. If he told you something, he's not going to come back next week and change. Well, you know, I thought that through. And let's just forget about that. No, no. No, that's your flesh. That's other people. That's the devil trying to get you into wavering. That's the devil trying to jerk the rug of the will of God out from under your feet so that you're faithless. Flopping around. No. That's why before you move, you need to make sure. Right? I know before we came to Branson, we didn't just do this off the cuff. Because I've learned just in the few years I've walked with the Lord, you know, you've got to be willing to set your face like Flint. You've got to be willing to stand. And the only thing that is sturdy enough for you to stand on is I know the Lord told me. That's the only thing that will do it. Right? I know he told me. He told me in his word. He told me by his spirit. I know if you don't have that, you don't have what it takes to make it through. We prayed and we waited on the Lord. And we prayed and waited on the Lord. And we prayed and waited on the Lord. And then we prayed some more. You know what we did after that? Prayed and waited on the Lord. We waited on the Lord and prayed. And we waited on the Lord and then we prayed. And we thought we knew. So then we prayed some more. Right? And looked at it. Because, see, it's not just me. All my staff is ready to follow me. Did you hear me? Their finances, their life, their friends, and their... How many understand as leaders, we ought not jump around haphazardly and play with people's lives. All the folks that's in our church and all the folks that's hooked up with our ministry, they expect us to be stable. They expect us to hear from God before we jump out. Right? And it's not okay to go blasting, you know, uh, with both barrels for two months and then go, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I think we missed it. (laughs) You know, just forget all that. What do you mean? All their labor and all their work and all their money that they pumped in that? Just forget about it? How many times that's not okay? That's not okay. Now, daddies, heads of houses, you're supposed to be this way too. You're supposed to be stable. You know, it's supposed to come up with harebrained ideas. Leave the family in the ditch. It's no wonder some uh, spouses and some children are so gun shy. Because the last 40 times, Daddy said, I got an idea. <laughs> it was a disaster. Everybody wound in the ditch, wound up in the ditch. And then Daddy comes and says, I got an idea. And even the dog runs behind the plant. <laughs> go, oh, no, not another Daddy idea. And it's sad, you know, so many of our modern TV shows and sitcoms and stuff, they portray dads as idiots. That's right. That's right. 
I mean, have to ask for counsel from the kids to take the trash out. I mean, it's pitiful. It is not that way in the kingdom of God. It's not that way in this church. It's not that way in your family. Am I right? Am I right? We take these responsibilities seriously. We seek God. We pray. We hear from God. And then, you know, I had some people asking me about some of these things. They said, Brother Keith, you got a ministry? You got all these invitations. You got partners. What you want to go do that for? It could be a disaster. Well, you take on that big building. You don't even have a congregation. What if you uh, fall and, you know, boy, people will laugh at you. And so, you know, I wanted to make sure. So uh, this one person talking to me about some of these things. Finally, I said, well, you know, I've done everything I know to do. And I got it in my heart. And it settled in my heart. And I'd rather step out and fall flat on my face, endeavoring to obey God. Than to sit in a corner somewhere and play it safe, too scared to step out. Totally missed the will of God. What if somebody laughed at me? Do I care more about what some people might think, don't even half know me, than I do my living God, my Savior? No, He's the one I'm concerned about. He's the one I'm interested in pleasing. Right? But if you'll do that and take the time to get it settled in your heart, then once we stepped out, man, there ain't no going back. You put your hand to the plow and you do not look back. Now, come on. Did you hear me? What do you do? You put your hand to the plow. What does that mean? We're working and we don't look back. What does that mean? We do not entertain quitting. There is no going back. There is no quitting. Oh, come on now. Come on. See, this is where so many people are failing nowadays. The least little bit of problem, they divorce. Least little bit of challenge and problem, they quit the job. Well, they weren't nice to me over there. Who said they had to be? Right? Such whiny babies. Preemie babies. Wear their feelings on their sleeve. And if something don't go right, I I don't have to do that. No, I quit. Well, I thought you said yesterday the Lord told you to do this. Well, yeah, but I don't have to put up with it. Well, see, you see what I'm saying? People have no respect for the will of God. They have no commitment to the will of God. Their feelings and their wants and likes and dislikes to them take precedence over everything. That's being so carnal, so fleshy. You know, we must have the concept. The Bible says that we are to endure hardness as a good soldier. we got to be willing to go through some stuff. Right? Put up with some stuff. Do whatever it takes to get the job done. The Lord didn't promise us to all be comfortable all the time. He didn't promise us everybody would treat us perfectly all the time. He told us, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Well, what's that going to be like? It's not going to be accolades. Right? It's not going to be everybody thinking you're wonderful. Right? Oh, but you got to be a good soldier of the Lord. Amen. Gird up your loins. Set your face like flint. Say, hey, I didn't start this thing to quit. I didn't start this thing to go under. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Whatever it takes. Not looking back. Not quitting. I'm going through. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm going through. By the grace of God, I'm going all the way through. Ah, oh, hallelujah. 
He's talking to us tonight. He's helping us tonight. Hallelujah. Did you find Ecclesiastes? Glory to God. Ecclesiastes. I believe it's the seventh chapter. I'll see when I get there. Thank you, Father. In Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 10, he says, say not thou. Now, what does that mean? Don't say this. Don't say what? What is the cause that the former days were better than these? Because for you do not inquire wisely concerning this. That's a foolish thing. It's not a wise thing. It's a foolish thing to say. It's a foolish thing to meditate. And it quickly develops into much worse than just foolishness. What do you mean? Well, the phrase about the good old days. And remember when. See, the first generation of Israelites that God brought out of Egypt, they got into this, didn't they? Oh, big time. They begin to say, we remember back when we were in Egypt. Oh, do you remember them big onions we had? Whoo, that was the prettiest onions. Do you remember what one fellow said? Watermelons. Ah, watermelons. They're out in the desert, you know. Watermelon. What I'd give for a big watermelon. Oh, watermelons. Another one said, do you remember? Man, we had garlic. We had this. We had that. Oh, and they'd sit around and talk about it. What's happening to them? In their hearts, they turned back. Their hearts were turned back to where they came from, where God had brought them out of, and they were longing to go back. And they meditated on that long enough, you remember. And when uh, Moses delayed in the mount with God, they talked Aaron into it. And they appointed them, you know, new gods and new leaders to take them back. They're going to go back. Friend, that is acting so unworthily for what God has done for you. How many understand how ignorant it is to sit there and talk about watermelons and forget that you were somebody else's slave back there? Forget you didn't own the clothes on your back. Here you are. It's not so much fun. It's hot and dry. But you got silver and gold. You're your own man. You're free to go wherever you want to do. do And God's already told you right over the rise there, I found you a place. I found you a wealthy place. Flows with milk and honey. But like we've already talked, that first generation did not enter in. We looked in the Psalms. It said the rebellious will live or dwell in a dry land. And they did. But do you see coupled with this is this looking back. This longing to go back. Have you ever heard any of that? Now you don't have to raise your hand and testify. But, and if the Lord is drawing your picture real close right now. Just look straight ahead and go amen brother Keith. Somebody needs to hear that. When you get home, you can fall across the bed or your room and go, oh, God, that was me. But you don't have to let on right now. Just straight ahead. Amen, Brother Keith. Somebody needs to hear that. Because it's not Brother Keith. It's the Lord. Looking back, longing to go back to another time in my life when I had it made. Looking back. What happened to Lot's wife? Hmm? 
held up in the word forever as an example of what you don't do. What do you not do? You don't look back. If you do, you're unworthy of the call that God's placed on your life. Because how many understand God's not called us to something worse. He's not called us to decrease. He's not called us to failure. If you thought what you left was pretty good, you ought to be shouting because it has to be a lot better than that or he wouldn't have led you out. Oh, God's talking. God's talking. God's talking. (laughs) At school, Raymond, students that left before the year was out, had to have an exit interview with an instructor. And they got different ones of us. And I'm telling you, it was sad. People had come through. I'm leaving. And see, just two months before, they're the ones that shouted on the front row, Yeah, God told me to be here. Yeah, I had an experience with God. Had a vision and a dream and three prophecies. I'm here. I'm supposed to be here. But now they're saying, Well, I'm going to go on back home. So one fella, we want to, we want to know why. You know, we're not telling you can't. Just, you know, you're a free man. You do what you want to do, but why? One fella said, well, I've been here, brother, for six months, and I ain't eating right. <laughs> I'm eating these little old noodles that you add water to. <laughs> I have to buy SpaghettiOs on sale and. Man, when I was at home, mama cooked me a steak a couple of times a week. Man, I eat good. I'm going home. What do you say to folks like that? <laughs> Buy Why? Now listen, Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, what did he say? Anybody remember? You're not fit. You're not fit. You have judged yourself and proven your lack of metal, your lack of character, that you're not worthy of what he had called you to. Because how many remember the Bible talks about the sufferings that we endure, they are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. I mean, the little stuff we go through is nothing beside what God is qualifying us for. And if he's going to do things for you that he hadn't done for somebody else, it's because you've got to pass tests that other people failed. You've got to go through when other people quit. Elsewise, he would be unjust and unfair, blessing and promoting you when they weren't. So, you know, this proving that we read about. God's not interested in you being tested to fail a test. He wants you to pass a test so that he has a legal right to promote you. And if anybody ever challenges it now or a thousand years from now, he can say, I told them to do it. They did it. I have a legal right. Right? That if anybody ever questioned his judgment, like Romans says, that he may be shown, you know, that every man a liar, but God is true and that he is justified in what he has said and done for eternity. And it'll be seen and known. Sometimes people get to looking at other folk and they're going, now, Lord, that ain't fair. I've been serving you for 30 years. You never gave me a new car like you gave them. You never did this and like that. Listen, God is just. In everything he does and everything he didn't do, he's just. He's fair. And if you're smart, you'll shut up. 
And not think like that and not talk like that and quit looking back and put that other hand on the plow and say, here we go. Here we go. No more looking back. No more trying to go back. No more talking about the good old days. Well, you know, back in the day, wasn't it great? Wasn't it grand? Oh, we were so blessed and God moved. Well, give thanks, but don't look back because he said you are foolish when you do that. Did he not say, do not say it? What's the cause that the former days were better than these? Do not talk and dwell on the good old days. Don't look back. Why? It's foolish. The reality is the best that you've ever seen is in front of you. The best that you've ever experienced is in front of you. God is not through. He hasn't run out. He hasn't peaked. Oh, come on now. It's in front of you. The glory, the most glorious, the best, the greatest the richest, the most power, the most revelation is ahead. It's today. It's tomorrow. Oh, hallelujah. If you believe it, you don't look back. You don't look back. You don't look back. I told you this other night, it'll bear repetition. I mean, when the Lord is dealing with us about moving up here, we'd believed God for a number of years, 20 plus years. We started out a little bitty Rough apartment in the rough part of town. <laughs> I mean rough. And we went up to a, a better apartment and a better apartment. I mean, we believed God for months and months to get an apartment that most people wouldn't want to move into. But that was the next level for us. We moved into a little rent house. And then we moved into another house. And then the Lord was able, enabled us to get our own house. It was not super fancy, but we thought it was. And I mean, the Lord enabled us to get a wonderful house. I mean, supernaturally, if I had time and told you the story, it was, I mean, wonderful, wonderful. And we just got in it, and Phyllis had just got the kitchen remodeled, and the Lord began to deal with us about Branson. And I'm thinking, Lord, are you serious? Like maybe he's going to say, no, I was just joking. <laughs> Lord. You know, it's taken us a while to get to where we are here. I mean, we've been so unbelieving standing for this for a long time. And I'm just human, you know. And one morning I'm thinking about these things and thinking about, and the Lord asked me, he said, do you believe I'm able to do better than this? That is the question, isn't it? See, if you're hesitant of turning loose of something, it's because you're not sure. Right? I've told this before in an offering time, you know. Uh, the Lord deals with you to give something. And let's say a man, you got your pocketbook, and in your pocketbook you got a hundred, and you got a twenty, and you got a this. If the Lord dealt with you to give the hundred. A lot of times people reach in there, or the lady reaches in her purse, the Lord dealt with them to do the hundred. So they reach for it, and then they begin to think, what have I got coming up? Oh, let's see, man, I got that bill the end of the week. And then uh, the kids got to have lunch money, and, and so they reach over and get to five. And miss God. Now, the Lord don't always tell you to give the biggest thing. Sometimes I hear people say that, but I don't believe that. He deals with you to do what you're to do for that time. But let's say this time he did deal with you to give the big bill. But people, I mean, this has happened how many times? They reach over and they get something else. Why? Because they are not convinced God can get it back to them in time. It's nothing about not having enough money. It's not having enough faith. And you don't want to do something silly and foolish. But when the Lord tells you to do something, how many know you can count on him? Yes. He's not going to leave you hanging out to dry. 
There's been so many. I mean, I don't know at the times the Lord's dealt with us to sow something into somebody else's ministry. And man, it cleaned us out. And we had stuff coming. You understand what I'm talking Bills coming up into the month. We had stuff coming. But never, I mean, not one time has the Lord left us out hanging to dry. I mean, every time he's come in and he knows the future. And if you'll obey him, he's setting you up. He's setting you up. Amen. And you sow in chunks. What happens? You reap in chunks. You know, people would like to get into these big harvests. You know, they'd like to get out beyond their five and ten dollars. But you know, you sow in bits, you reap in bits. Sow in chunks, you reap in chunks. You know, a dollar multiplied is fine. Five dollars multiplied is better. Amen. But when you start multiplying things times a thousand. When you start multiplying at times 10,000 or 100,000, man, now you start moving into some serious, serious ability, serious funds. So you got to get just stirred up about your giving and stepping up to the higher increments as you are excited about receiving. But you don't look back. Say it out loud again. Put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. Say it again. Close your eyes. Put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. See, if you look back, Lot's wife did what? She looked back. Now, I understand it wasn't just a glance. What was the issue? In her heart, she did not want to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. She liked the shopping malls and she liked her high society. She liked her club memberships. She liked and she did not want to leave that. And her heart Pulling her back towards that locked her into it permanently. She never moved on with God. If you look back, you stay back. And the thing is, you know, sometimes people, you know, the devil will come. He's such a liar and deceiver. And he'll say, man, when you're out in the world, you had more money than this. Man, you used to have fun. You remember you used to have fun when you was out in the world and try to lure you and try to tempt you to go back. In the truest sense, you cannot go back. You've changed. They've changed. The place has changed. In the truest sense, you can't, you can try, but it ain't going to work. And if it's no longer the will of God, the perfect will of God for you to be there, you will go back without grace. You will be there just in the strength of your flesh and that's all you will have and you will fail. No, friend, where do you want to be? I want to be in the wind. I want to be like the ornament on the hood. How about you? Is that right? Right? I mean, what do you mean in the wind? Doing the will of God. I mean, I mean on the boundary, on the cutting edge, what? Moving into the next thing he has for us. Yeah, because God's winding this thing up, friend. We, we're not going to sit down here forever. We got a job to do. When the job is done, we going home. We, we going home. So how foolish it is to look back when heaven is this way. Huh? My mansion is this way. My reward is this way. The best times I've ever had in this life is this way. It's not back. It's this way. It's this way. Oh, the devil will come sit on your shoulder and go, well, you passed your prime now. 
Yeah, your best days are behind you now. <laughs> I guess we just have to do what we can do to make it through. But oh, remember when? Remember how you used to be? Mm-mm. Wish we could go back. That's foolish. It's faithless. Visionless. Faithless. You know, the Lord's blessed us so much in this church just in the last year or two. But he told us, he said, greater things than these shall you see. We're thankful. But how many understand, we ain't stopping here. I mean, we, oh, no, no, we're just getting started. We're just getting the wheels rolling on this thing. Hey, we're about to shift into second gear and get in the full barrel. Am I know about the full barrel? We're about to get in the full barrel and get the turbos to whining. Hey! And eventually, we can flip on the afterburners. Yeah! I'm talking about moving on for God. I'm talking about reaching out, letting God lift you up to places you never imagined you could get to. Letting God use you to an extent you never dreamed He could use you. Seeing people helped. Seeing people touched. Seeing people saved. Seeing people healed and filled and thrilled and set free. You never thought you'd even see or meet. Oh, glory to God. Put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. Don't look back. Don't go back. There's nothing to go back to. No, no, no. You know, the Bible talks about people that, uh, in fact, let's just turn on over there in the New Testament to... uh, Second Peter, the second chapter, verse 18, talks about individuals who are deceived and deceivers and said they speak great swelling words of vanity. They speak great big stuff, but it's just full of hot air. And they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those who were clean escaped from them who live in error. I'm telling you, there's some folk going to have to give an account before the Lord. Because here comes somebody and God delivered them from drugs. God delivered them from alcohol. He delivered them from promiscuity. He delivered them. And then these folk, they get around them and they're yielding to the flesh. And they're telling them, oh, well, the flesh don't matter all that much anyhow. You know, we're free. It's the spirit that matters. And these folk get back in to the stuff they were delivered from. And sometimes, sometimes one more time is all the enemy needs to take them out. People don't realize, they think, well, you know, well, man, I, I did drugs for years. I tried everything there was to try. And, you know, it seemed like I came out pretty good. God is merciful. Amen. He is gracious yes. to the ignorant yes. and those who are out of the way. But now you know better. It's different now. Did you hear me? Yes, Getting high one more time could be all the enemy needs to take you out. Oh, man, I slept around with everybody, you know, and I never, nothing ever happened to me. One more time could be all it took. That could be it. End of your life. No, when you know better, God expects more of you. Is that right? To whom much is given, much is required. And so much of us in here, we've seen things. We know some things. We know better. So we must not act ignorant. Plunge into, you know, back into things that we've been delivered out of. He said... While they promise them what? 
Oh, you don't have to be in all that bondage. You know, get free, brother. Smoke a joint. I'll just be free. You know, God gave us these desires, these physical desires. Just be free. You know, see, some of this was this was the kind of thing that was preached in the 60s. Free love. We're all God's children. Let's just be free. And if you can't uh, be with the one you love, then just love the one you're with. And the thing is, people tried to make this spiritual when it was as fleshy as flesh can get. Talk about fleshing out. And people paid dear prices for it. And their families are still paying prices for some of these things. They promised them liberty while they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. How many believe we're not supposed to be brought under the power of anything? No substance, no chemical, not watching anything or not having to hear anything. We're not to be brought under the power of any of these things. We're to be truly free. When you're free, you're putting your flesh under. Your desires do not control you. You control them. Right? That's real freedom. These people that try to tell you, oh, you're free. You can go ahead and yield to that. You know, this old body, we're going to lose it anyway. It don't really matter. No, no, it's a lie. Don't you listen to that. Don't you listen to that. We're told to keep, you know, possess our bodies and our vessels in sanctification and honor. Right? It's so sad that so many teenagers and young people are so promiscuous. They do not realize the value of their body. Their bodies are valuable and precious. You're not supposed to just jump in bed with somebody. It's acting like your body's worthless. Somebody don't even know you. They don't care about you. They're just trying to satisfy their lust. That's cheapening yourself. You understand that? That's cheapening yourself. They don't care about you. And so many times people don't understand that in marriages. When somebody comes and they're trying to uh, seduce a married woman or trying to seduce a married man. They don't care about you. They don't value you. They want to use you. I love you. I have to have you. That ain't love. They love their self. They love what they think you can do for them. And it'll be over quick. Discard you. Did you hear me? Have more integrity than that. Have more honor than that. Possess your body with sanctification and honor. Teach your children, right? Oh, what do you mean? Well, it's just sex. Oh, oh. You don't know the value of yourself. Treating yourself like you're cheap and nothing. No, you keep yourself. I said you keep yourself. Keep yourself with honor, integrity. He said, Verse 20, if after they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they're again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. It's better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. It's happened to them according to the true proverb, the dogs returned to his own vomit. The sow that was washed went back in the mud. Somebody say, I ain't going back. 
So now this is what people are going back to when they're going back to, you know, their freedom and the world. You're going back to a pigsty. You're going back to dog throw up. I know that's graphic, but I'm reading the Bible. How many say, I ain't going back. I ain't going back to that. Right? Uh Uh-uh. Where are you going? Come on, got my hands on the plow. We're going forward. The devil will cry, oh, you'll remember? I say, shut up, shut up, shut up. I got my face set like flint. I got my eyes on the Lord. I'm looking to the author and finisher of my salvation. It's ahead of me. Say it out loud. It's ahead of me. It's ahead of me. It's ahead of me. My future, my glory, my victories, my prosperity, my wealthy place. Come on, let's go. <laughs> and you don't consider going back. I've had people talk to me before and they're going to quit the ministry. I don't relate to that. Did you hear me? We said, what do you mean, Brother Keith? Hadn't you ever considered quitting? Never. Not for a half a day, not for an hour, never. Why? I didn't start this thing to quit. Did you hear me? I didn't jump in it half cocked because somebody told me they thought I was called. Did you hear me? This is between me and God. I heard from him. Right? So I'm in this thing for the duration. Oh, now come on, Brother Key. Surely you have down days and days when you think about quitting. No, never, ever. Why? I refuse to let myself look that direction. I know what's there and I refuse to look at it. Because if you begin looking away, it begins pulling you. How many understand Adam and Eve? Out there hanging around that tree. You start looking at it and then you start listening. That's how you get sucked in. So if you want to be safe, you never look that way. You want to be safe, you never talk that way. Right? In your marriage, you got to be that way. I mean, if every time something comes up, you holler, I just don't think we're going to make it. But I don't think we are either. Are you talking divorce? Well, I don't know. Oh, that's so pitiful. I said that's so pitiful. There's some folk right in here you've been doing that. And you better quit. Because you're just yielding to the devil. You keep doing that, you're going to have serious problems. That you, it'll seem like you can't get through them. No, no, you need to go home or go to the room this evening and grab hands and look at each other and go, we did not start this to quit. What God has joined together, let no man and no devil and no thing separate. Right? It don't matter what you feel. It don't matter what I feel. My commit, I love you and I'm committed to you, but I'm more committed to God. Right? And you're more committed to God and we're going through and whatever He says, that's what we're going to do. And if you listen to Him, He'll say, stay together and do it. Right? That's my will. Make it work. Get past it. Walk in love. Forget to pass. Cast your cares over on me. Right? And I'm telling you what, even though it's awful, I mean, you may have been through some hellish things in your house and marriage. It's amazing how fast God can turn things around. He's a God who can turn the bitter waters sweet. Yes, he is. He can take the hopeless and turn it into glorious. 
He can take where you used to be, you know, look like a total disaster. Nobody would want a marriage like yours within just a matter of months. Just a short amount of time holding you up as an example for other people to be like. He can do it. I've seen him do it repeatedly. Repeatedly. Glory. Say, I got my hand on the plow. I'm going on through. I refuse to look back. You got a few more minutes? Go to Second Kings, please. Second Kings. Thank you, Master. Second Kings, the uh, second chapter. One of the big keys to finding and filling and being established in your place, your God-ordained, God-joined, wealthy place. Is faithfulness. So we've been talking about that all night. Without necessarily using that word. But how many stand hand to the plow. Don't look back. What is that? It's faithfulness. Turning back. Giving up. Is unfaithfulness. To get to the place where God has for you. You'll have to endure some things. It won't all be easy. And I think you know. We live in a society. That is extremely comfort and convenience minded. And as a result we got a generation of softies. And if you don't get it quick. And if it ain't easy. Well then let's quit. We'll do something else. But in the things of God. You cannot be easily swayed or deterred. Or the enemy will cause enough stuff to come along. And you'll quit. He'll knock you out. You don't start out where you wind up in your ultimate place in God. You know, sometimes people, I've had people before that we've tried to instruct and sometimes correct. They were trying to do some things because they felt like I'm called to this ministry. I'm a prophet. I'm a prophetess. I'm an apostle. I'm a this or that. And endeavoring to prophesy, endeavoring to minister to people or endeavoring to do some things. And uh, it wasn't right. And, you know, there's times we've had to tell people, well, no, you know, we want you to back off of that. Well, I have to do what God told me to do. Well, no, that's disrespectful. And what sometimes people don't realize is just because you're called to something doesn't mean you're standing in the place right now. A call is not the same thing as standing in the place. Now, the Lord gives us further direction on this. We may talk about it, you know, tomorrow night and and we'll just see. But, you know, like Elijah and Elisha, the Lord told him, Elijah, to go anoint Elisha to stand in his room. What is that? Place, office. So he is called to this, isn't he? But did he step into that the next day or the next year? Or the next five years. There's some, uh, you know, depending on which historian's correct, 10 years, 15 years or so. Before he stepped into it. Everybody say 10 years. years. Now, how does that sound to modern society? (laughs) Say it out loud, 10 years. years. Say it again. 10 years. years. Similar thing with Paul and Timothy. Right? Probably at least 10 years, 15 years. 
Joshua and Moses. Huh? The Bible said that the Spirit uh, was in and on Joshua because Moses had laid his hands on him. But let me tell you how it didn't happen. Joshua was not in a meeting with Moses for three days and came down to the front and said, Moses, lay your hands on me and give me some of that. That is not what happened. Joshua carried water and he held clothes and he polished sandals and he checked tent stakes and he loaded donkeys for 40 years. Everybody say 40. Four decades. 40 years. And at the end of that time, Joshua wasn't asking Moses for something. The Lord told Moses, call him here. Lay your hands on him. I'm going to take of what's on you and put it on and in him. See, these things are God-ordained. See, so many times people are playing with this stuff. You see what I'm talking about? I mean, people haven't been faithful for three days. And they want everything. You see what I'm saying? And it's a problem. And people say, well, I'm called to be this. That doesn't mean you are. Just because you got a call on your life. Maybe you have. Maybe you do have a call on your life. But before you'll be able to stand in that full place and operate in it, you're going to have to be faithful for a period of time and develop and exercise and have things added to you. Then if you're faithful. You'll step into it. If you're not, you won't. Now here we see the situation of Elijah and Elisha. I know a lot of you know it. Let's remind ourselves of it and see how this went. And you see this principle of faithfulness. Faithfulness is trustworthy. Faithfulness is reliable. Faithfulness, if it says it's going to be there... It's there, right? I mean, if it has to go through the mud and the flood and the rain, if it's inconvenient. How many understand people need you when they need you, not when it's convenient for you? And so many times when things come up, have you ever noticed it? It's not convenient. It's two in the morning and you didn't have extra money and you got something early going on, but they need you now. Right? They need you now. And so many times when it's actually happening, the Lord's calling you now. If you're spiritual enough, you look up and you see it's not just people. It's the Lord saying, get on in here and do this. And if you pull back, if you fail, then you are unfaithful. You're not passing tests. You will not be developed. You'll not be brought into your wealthy place. Everybody say faithfulness. Faithfulness. Here, chapter 2, verse 1. It came to pass when the Lord did take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Elisha said to him, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Did you hear that now? We already talked about this. How many understand this man understands that God joined him to Elijah? Right. What's he doing? He's hauling water. 
Right? Did you hear me? He's hauling water. He's the messenger boy. Right? He takes messages. He lays out the clothes. He cuts firewood. Did you hear me? And he's a prophet. Is he a prophet? He's called to be a prophet. Well, what's a prophet doing chopping wood? Exactly what he's supposed to be doing. Did you hear me? Because what God does, if you'll obey him, he joins you to like ministries to your call. Did you hear me? And then through the continued long term, everybody say long term, long term association, there are these Really continuous, day in, day out, week in, week out, month after month, year after year, impartations. Enable, so much of it you're not even aware of. So much of it, you, it'd take you years to get into some things and you look back and go, man, that's where I got that. That's when that got into me. I didn't even realize it was happening in you. It's kind of like growing up. Little kids don't realize, you know, grandma doesn't see them for a long time and they go, whoo, look how you've grown. They don't realize it. They go, really? Because they're in their body every day. It's happening gradually so they don't realize it. That's the way spiritual growth is. But with a like call and continued association and continued impartation and enablement over the period of time, one becomes equipped and trained. See, your spiritual parts have to be exercised. Just like your physical parts. And I understand you don't start lifting weights with 500 pounds. You ain't there. You start with two pounds. Right? And if you're not faithful in that, you don't step to the next thing. But if you do, if you do, there will come a time when the Lord will call you up. Amen? There will come a time. If it's the Lord's plan and way for you, that if you've been faithful and that which is another man's, he'll give you what is your own, your own place, your own wealthy place. This is exciting. But again, everybody say 10 years, 20 years, 40 years. This is why we have so many people that are not developing. They're not in their place. Why? Because they did real good for six months or a year and then they got miffed and then they got upset and nobody's acknowledging my gift and they couldn't take correction. So they jumped out, they severed their association and they're floundering around and they jump from thing to thing to thing and they're not developing. And at this rate, they'll never reach their ultimate place in the body. Their life will be over and they will not have done what God called them to do. It requires... Submission. That's not a dirty word. It requires obedience. It requires faithfulness. And longer than a week or two. Are you with me now? He said, uh, Elisha, you can just stay here. Now, I've heard people preach this in a way that I don't agree with. I've heard people imply that Elijah said, now you stay here and Elisha said, I am not. That's rebellious. No, I don't believe that. Look at the language. Verse 2. Tarry here means stay here what? I pray you. That's not a command. 
Right? He's telling him he doesn't have to go. Are you with me? You don't have to go. I mean, this long trip, I got a long ways to go. You can just stay here. You don't have to stay all night. You don't have to work till the thing is finished. You don't have to do this. You don't have to. What did he say? Uh-uh. No, no. Uh-uh. I'm here. Right? God told me to help you. So as long as you're doing it, I'm doing it. How many understand that is the spirit of faithfulness? I learned something one time. I had a fellow came to me. He had told me, I'm going to help you. I'll be there. You know, this certain project we were doing. And I needed some help. I was so glad that God brought him in. I had a bunch of other things going. And I just, you felt inadequate. He stepped in and you knew it was God. I'm going to help you. Good, good, good. Came up not much later and said, well, you know, something came up. And, uh, I, you know, if it's okay, I'm not going to do that and be involved in that with you. I'm gonna, well, I said, uh, okay, that's all right. And, uh, and he left. And the Lord told me, he said, now you understand, just because you said it's okay didn't mean I said it was okay. I realized I answered a little quick. Because you can't try to make somebody do something, but you've got to understand this. Just because some human told you it was okay, you didn't have to do it, that doesn't mean the Lord told you it was okay. That's what's happening right here. He's telling him it's okay, you don't have to go with me all the way, but he, thank God, has enough spiritual discernment to go, "Uh uh-uh, no, I'm with you. Yeah, we're tired, it's dusty, it's dry, we got another 400 miles to go. But, uh... You going? You ain't going to stop, are you? Uh-uh. Well, I'm not going to stop either then. Here I am. If you stop real quick, you better let me know because I'm falling hard behind you. I'll plaster my nose into your back if you stop too quick. So let me know. But you won't have to look around. You ever heard people say, I'm with you. But you wonder where? You look back and you can't find them. I mean, where? I'm behind you. Where? Well, the thing is, the sad thing is, they don't realize their wealthy place is connected with this faithfulness right now. If you don't pass the test, if you don't demonstrate the faithfulness, you will not develop, you will not qualify. It determines how quickly you get to your wealthy place and even if you get there at all. He said, "Uh uh-uh, nope, nope, nope. You going and I'm going. That's how it is. He said, okay, come on, come on. So verse 4, Elijah said to him, you know, look, when they got to the next place, and he said, you just stay here. Terry here, stay here, I pray you, because the Lord has sent me to Jericho. We've done already done all this traveling, but you know, i got to go there, but you can just stay here. What did he say? Ah, as the Lord lives, as surely as he's sitting on the throne, and I'm breathing, and as you're living, I will not leave you. Here we go. How many understand it happened again? Verse 6, same thing. You stay here. He said, no, uh uh-uh. As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And in verse 9, he was there. And here's the point where Elijah's about to, this supernatural thing's about to happen. He's about to be taken out. He's about to finish his course. And here, Elisha, his sidekick is right there. You know, you got the glory if the Lord has joined you to somebody, you got the glory in being their help. Yes. Not look at it like it's a menial thing and beneath you. 
I know, you know, some folks tried to tell Phyllis in the beginning days of our ministry, you know, well, nobody ever talks about you. It's always they just talk about Brother Keith. And who is this? Brother Keith's wife. They didn't even call your name. Well, she has a name, you know, they say. That's not okay. Did you hear me? But you see, the devil comes and he lies. Well, you just their sidekick. Hey, what does it mean to be God's sidekick? That's good enough for me. Right? What more do you think you have to have? See, what people do, though, in trying to have their own prematurely is they jump away from their development. They jump away from their input and their impartation. And they try to step into it. The call's there, but they're not ready. What happens with births when it's too premature? You see what I'm saying? There's timing for things. Seasons for things. But you must be faithful. Say it out loud, faithful. Faithful. They're standing there. He's passed opportunity after opportunity to quit and come short. He's passed opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to take it easy and to rest and to not push on. And he said, nope, 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 nope. I'm your man. You know, man of God, you might get there and need your robe pressed. No, you might get there and the room might not be set up. No, I'm going. I'm your man. I'm going. Unless you tell me I can't. Here I am. Everybody say faithful. Faithful. And this man is a prophet. Called from his mother's womb, called and destined to be a prophet. And he's a shoe shiner and a clothes toter and a wood chopper. I understand the apostle Paul, tent maker. Right? Was he embarrassed about that? Certainly it's honorable. Honorable. And he said, uh, ask what I shall do for you. How many understand this was not just the man God's talking through How many know you stay put and you hang in? You might not hear it the first year or the second or the fifth year or the ninth year or the tenth or the fifteenth. But one day the Lord's going to say, you ready? What do you want? What's in your heart? (laughs) I'm ready to give it to you. You're ready. Hmm? He said, "I, I want that anointing. I want that anointing like what you got on you. I want that anointing to preach and prophesy and minister to the sick and work miracles. And I'd like to have twice. I'd like to have a double portion. Notice the Lord didn't say, the man of God didn't say, you greedy rascal. How dare you think you could. No, God delights in this. That you had it in your heart. That you covet the precious things of God. And you say, oh, oh, revelation. I want revelation, God. I want anointing. I want anointing. I want your anointing. Give me a double portion of it. This is after years. After years. 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 Of faithfulness. And you know the story. Here came the chariot of fire. Swept the man of God up. Rips out of, you know, the atmosphere at Mark 5 or 6 or whatever it is. And here comes the mantle floating back down. Reminds you of the day of Pentecost. 
Spirit of God came and he picked up that mantle and he knew in himself he's a different man. He can tell it, man, it's different now. He walked up to the river and there's a boldness came over him that he had never experienced before. And he said, where's the God of Elijah? And he threw that thing down and here comes the rolling of the water. And all the crowd said, Spirit of Elijah is on Elisha. It's on him. It's on him. He didn't come across and say, now I'm anointed, you have to respect it. I'm a prophet, and if you don't acknowledge my gift, then things won't work, so you have to acknowledge me. See, that's people playing with stuff today. Because when the fruit's there, the power's there, how many times when big, luscious, plump peaches are hanging on the branch, you do not have to paint a big sign and say, peach tree. (laughs) Everybody knows it's a peach tree. Right? Why? Peaches. Right? And you won't have to have a big title on yourself and advertise, apostle so-and-so, prophet so-and-so. If the fruit's there, everybody will know. Everybody will know. And you hanging a big label over yourself will not make it so. Realize, a call is not the same as being able to step in and operate in the place. These things take some time and development if one is faithful. Stand up on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelifenow.org.